Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gun control is coming to Virginia. While I am very disappointed in this and the fact that our state legislatures were flipped to allow anti-gun majorities to have a mandate to push their agenda, I want to offer some reassurance to you all. With the advent of different counties across the state declaring themselves sanctuary to a counties and people waking up to the reality that a lot of things could change if these lawmakers get their way and are unchallenged, I think Virginia is not a lost cause, and I think there's going to be a lot of court challenges for various pieces of legislation if mass outrage from constituents doesn't compel them to kill bills in committee and things of that sort. But while I am very disappointed that gun control will be heard and potentially passed, I think there is a way to fight back where it is rational, where we are level-headed, and where we can effectively enact change and get things to be stalled. I have read over and assessed various different House of Delegate and State Senate bills that are going to be heard in January when the session resumes, when these new crop of lawmakers come to Richmond. Here is some context behind gun ownership and carry options here in the state of Virginia. We are perhaps the safest state compared to Maryland and Washington, D.C., where higher gun ownership, legal gun ownership, I should say, corresponds reflexively to lower crime. We have 635,000 people who are registered concealed carry permit holders. We also have reciprocity, concealed carry reciprocity to be exact, with 35 different states. And this is from the USCCA. We're not New Jersey. I don't think we're going to morph into New Jersey if people are awake and aware of what's happening and they fend off challenges uh, to these gun control attempts. But if we're not careful and if we're not a- aware of these bills and fighting back these bills, we very much could become like New Jersey. But I wouldn't say we're at that level quite yet. This is a little glimmer of hope just given the culture of Virginia, the fact that gun ownership is a mainstay here. We have a huge military presence. Uh, a lot of people, even in urban areas, and your untraditional gun owners have private firearms in their homes and have expressed concerns to me. I've talked to a lot of people. I talked to a bank teller of mine who is an immigrant from Ethiopia and she's worried about gun control coming to Virginia and that she won't be able to protect her home in the future. So if you talk to people here, they're not happy with what's going to be happening. But here's how you approach it. And here is what you need to be aware of. You guys will have information that you can use to educate others around you in Virginia with the show notes that I'm going to include, but I'm going to break down each bill for you as clearly as possible for you to share with your friends and your family that may live in Virginia if you don't live in Virginia and what you can do to fight back these efforts. It's not going to be pretty, but I think if we all work together and we all are united and are aware of what's happening, I think we can push back some of these crazy pieces of legislation. I'm going to break down these bills 
as it relates to the House of Delegates and then state Senate bills. So the first bills I'm going to discuss are House bills, HBs, and then I'm going to talk about Senate bills. The first House of Delegate bill you guys should be aware of is HB2, and it relates to firearm transfers, criminal history record information checks, and new penalties. This bill says that it now will require, if passed, a background check for any firearm transfer and directs the Department of State Police to establish a process for transfers to obtain such a check from licensed firearms dealers. A transfer who sells a firearm to another person without obtaining the required background check is guilty of a Class 6 felony. And they say that there are exemptions if this were to be passed. And these exemptions include transfers between immediate family members that occurs by operation of law, third, by the executor or administrator of an estate or by a trustee of a testamentary trust at firearm shows in accordance with law, and if they're part of a buyback or a giveback program of an of antique firearms that occur at a shooting range, shooting gallery, or other area designated for the purpose of target shooting for use during target practice, a firearm safety or training course or class, a shooting competition, or any similar lawful activity that are temporary transfers that occur within the continuous presence of the owner of a firearm or are necessary to prevent imminent death and great bodily harm. And I think this relates to private transfers, which are very, very minuscule in the grand scheme of things when you're purchasing a firearm from an FFL dealer. The crime that relates to these types of exchanges is very minimal in the grand scheme of things. Uh, A DOJ report that came out earlier this year pulled criminals, about 200,000 people, that said that most of them committed their crimes, their gun crimes, not through private sales or so-called gun show loopholes. They used other means. So I don't see how this would prevent that type of crime through transfers, uh, which is already minimal in its own right from happening. I think this will duplicate existing law in Virginia where you have to submit yourself to a background check already. So that's my assessment with that there. The next house bill is HB nine as it relates to reporting stolen firearms and the civil penalty that will now be awarded if this were to pass. And the language says this, it requires that if a firearm is lost or stolen from a person who lawfully possessed it, such person shall report the loss or theft of the firearm to any local law enforcement agency or the department of state police within 24 hours after such person discovers the loss or theft or is informed by a person with personal knowledge of the loss or theft. The bill requires the relevant law enforcement agency to enter the report information into the national crime information center. A violation is punishable by a civil penalty of no more than $250. The bill provides that a person who in good faith reports the loss or theft is immune from criminal or civil liability for acts or omissions that result from the loss or theft. The immunity does not apply to a person who knowingly gives a false report. The bill does not apply to the loss or theft of an antique firearm. This was previously considered in the two special sessions or sessions, I should say uh, on firearms earlier this year, one where it was defeated wholeheartedly in committee during the regular session. And then within a special 90 minute session, most of these were defeated, but 
the contention I have with this, and I think most people have with this is what, let's say you're on vacation and you're not able to claim that your firearm was stolen within a 24 hour period. What if you're out of the country or in a different state and you're not able to come home? Does it give assurances for that? I don't see that in the language. So I'm skeptical of this and you should be too. Now we're going to move on to the state Senate bills, which there are a lot more uh, in the state Senate although there is only a plus two Democrat majority in the Senate. So it's going to be narrowly passed unless uh, there are more anti-gun representatives in the committees as it relates to weapons and militias. But here are the anti-gun pieces that are in the state Senate that are going to be heard in the state Senate. Senate bill 12 that as it relates to firearm transfers, criminal history record informations and new penalties. It's similar to the one I just spoke about HB two. Uh, There's another bill being considered that will be heard uh, called Senate Bill 13 uh, that makes it forbidden for you to possess or transport weapons in the Capitol Square in the state capitol down in Richmond, Virginia. And it says if you are found in violation of this, carrying in this area of the Capitol, it's now going to be a class one misdemeanor. And the bill's text says exemptions for law enforcement officers, conservators of the peace, magistrates, court officers, judges, county or city treasurers, commissioners or deputy commissioners of the Virginia Workers' Compensation Commission, authorized security personnel and active military personnel while in the conduct of such individuals' official duties. So if you currently carry and this bill passes, you're not going to have the ability to do so anymore. So be aware of that and voice your concern if you have any. Senate Bill 14 is the ban of a trigger activator or a bump stock that'll soon carry a class six misdemeanor. I think this can certainly pass out of committee just because they have a mandate to do so. I think they may even get a few Republican votes unless they hold the line and oppose this like any other gun control effort. But if SB 14 were to pass, this is what the language says it'll do. If it's not altered or if the text is not changed, it says it would prohibit the manufacture, importation, sale, or offer to sell possession, transfer, transportation of a trigger activator defined in the bill as one, a device designed to be attached to a semi-automatic firearm, which allows the firearm to discharge two or more shots in a burst by activating the device, including a bump fire device or a binary trigger, but does not convert the semi-automatic firearm into a machine gun or two, a manual or power driven trigger activating device designed so that when attached to a semi-automatic firearm, it increases the rate of fire of that firearm, including a trigger crank, but does not convert the semi-automatic firearm into a machine gun. A violation is punishable as a class six felony. And you don't even have to like bump stocks. I don't have any particular use for them, but I view things as this. Any incrementalist approach is going to affect some other aspect of a firearm. They may say, a bump stock today and perhaps a magazine ban of anything exceeding 10 rounds tomorrow. So if you have this incremental approach or incrementalist approach and you are concerned that these incremental bans could affect other components of a firearm, you should oppose this for sure. Senate Bill 15 will make it a penalty, a class one misdemeanor to carry weapons in buildings owned by the Commonwealth or government buildings. And that is defined as uh, any per, uh, class one misdemeanor for a person to transport any one gun or weapon designed or intended to propel a missile or projectile of any kind 
to a frame receiver, muffler, silencer, missile, projectile, or ammunition designed to use with a dangerous weapon or other dangerous weapons into a building owned or leased by the Commonwealth or any agency thereof where employees of the Commonwealth or agency thereof are regularly present for the purpose of performing their official duties. And I think this is in response to the Virginia Beach mass shooting that took place right after Memorial Day weekend, where it was actually determined that the assailant and the shooter who will not be named, I will not give credence to that crazy killer. The shooter had a lot of warning signs and one victim of that horrific mass shooting was communicating with her husband, her desire to carry her firearm, private firearm in that municipal building in Virginia beach and then decided she didn't want to get in trouble. So she decided against it and ultimately became a victim of this senseless violence as a result of that. So I think this is a response to that, but given the assessment that has come out of that horrific mass shooting, uh, these types of bans are not going to prevent someone who's intent on harming others in municipal or government buildings from carrying out these ghastly crimes. I don't see this as preventing people from carrying out mass shootings in government buildings, and I don't see it being effective. Uh, So that's my concern with SB 15. SB 16 is the assault weapons ban. And I believe it would ban most common semi-automatic firearms. That's what a lot of people have been saying. But here's the exact text for you all. What it would do, SB 16, is expand the definition of what a, quote, assault firearm is and prohibit any person from importing, selling, transferring, manufacturing, purchasing, possessing, or transporting an assault firearm. And if you are found to be in possession of such an assault firearm or an assault weapon, it'll be a class six felony. What it will do also, as the language expands to say, it says the bill prohibits a dealer from selling, renting, trading, or transferring from his inventory an assault firearm to any person. I think in this context, it means it'll prohibit a person from carrying a shotgun with a magazine that will hold more than seven rounds of the longest ammunition for which it is chambered in a public place under existing law. This prohibition applies to only certain localities and this bill would make it a class one misdemeanor to import, sell, barter or transfer any firearm magazine designed to hold 10 or more rounds of ammunition. So here is the problem with this proposed assault weapons ban. Most firearms sold in Virginia, including handguns, my handgun does not have the capacity to hold 10 rounds. My Smith and Wesson MMP shield uh, holds about seven or eight rounds. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that is the case, but many of my friends have fire handguns that are specifically designed, uh, to hold in the magazine 10 or more rounds. And there's no problem with that. I don't see an issue with that. Having familiarized myself with a nomenclature, having seen people shoot with these 10 plus round magazines, it's not in the magazine. That's not the problem. But if this were to pass and this would apply to most handguns that are sold in the state of Virginia or most handguns that are uh, currently in circulation or currently possessed by people in their private homes or in their gun collections, many people in the state of Virginia are going to become criminals overnight. And that would be very dangerous to see that take hold in the state of Virginia. This would classify most commonly held and owned firearms that are in possession by Virginians or that are sold to Virginians to be considered assault weapons. 
You need to make your voice heard on this bill if you disagree with this premise or you disagree with this redefinition of what an assault firearm is. This is going to ban, if passed in the current existing language, your handguns, your hunting rifles, and most commonly sold firearms here. Please voice your concern on this because this would be a very dangerous bill, uh, kind of an echoing of the language you see in the assault weapons ban of 2019. So SB 16, I think, is something you should oppose very much so, much like the other bills, but definitely voice your concern on this. Another problematic bill is Senate Bill 18, and this is being billed as the universal background check bill. And to me, it appears like it'll be duplicitous in nature because as I've mentioned before and I've mentioned on other podcasts, putting in a universal background check system would duplicate existing law that already is in the books federally and statewide as to how background checks are conducted for gun purchases here uh, in Virginia and also federally. And what this bill would do is provide that a person must be at least 21 years old or at least be 18 years old by the effective date of the bill to purchase a firearm. The bill also requires a background check for any firearms transfer and requires the Department of State Police to establish a process for transfers of firearms to obtain such a check from licensed firearm dealers or FFL dealers. The transfer who fails to obtain a required background check and transfers the firearm to another person is guilty of a class one misdemeanor. The bill exempts certain transfers from the required background check and the bill says that it removes the provision that makes the background checks of prospective purchasers or transferees at firearm show voluntary. Another provision of this bill, which a lot of people have been discussing is not only would this uh, universal background check and transfer clause be altered and changed and duplicitous. It would also uh, make it a misdemeanor class six felony and then become a class one misdemeanor uh, if you leave loaded, unsecured firearms uh, near anyone who is under the age of 18, it's going to change the penalty from uh, leaving those so-called loaded, unsecured firearms uh, near people who are 14 and under to under those 18 and under. And here's what the language says about that bill. The bill also provides SB 18, I should be exact, that any person who recklessly leaves a loaded, unsecured firearm in such a manner as to endanger the life or limb of a person under the age of 18 is guilty of a class six felony and that it is a class one misdemeanor for any person knowingly to authorize a child under the age of 18 to use a firearm except when the person is under the supervision of an adult. Current law provides that any person who recklessly leaves a loaded, unsecured firearm in such a manner as to endanger the life or limb of a child under the age of 14 is guilty of a class three misdemeanor. And it is a class one misdemeanor for any person to knowingly authorize a child under the age of 12 to use a firearm, except when that person is under the supervision of an adult. The contention with this bill and, and, and contention I've seen from a lot of people who go hunting, hunting is not guaranteed under second amendment protections, but this would make it a criminal act. If a kid is under 18, let's say a, 11 or 12 year old or 14 or 15 or 16 or 17 year old who is very responsible with guns and goes hunting. How is this going to be enforced? How in good faith is this going to be enforced? I don't see Virginia game and wildlife officers wanting to enforce this. I could be very wrong, but if someone is behaving lawfully and a a person under the age of 18 is handling firearms responsibly while out in the field, Why would they criminalize this? Why would they focus on this? They should be focusing on poachers and people who are acting irresponsibly with firearms. 
I don't think they want to waste their time dealing with people who are responsible and maybe hunting in the field. This is going to be really hard to enforce. I just don't see how this is going to be effectively enforced. And I think this is going to take away from game wardens efforts to combat poachers. I think this should definitely be opposed and you should be sounding the alarm on this because it's going to, I think potentially eat away at recruitment efforts to get new hunters and practice and for them to practice true gun safety measures. I think this certainly has to be opposed as well. There are two more bills for you guys. Bear with me on this. Senate Bill 22. It reinstates the one handgun a month purchase regulation unless you're a federal firearms licensed dealer. And if you're found in violation of this, you're going to be guilty of a class one misdemeanor. And SB 35, which would ban firearms at certain permitted events. What is the takeaway from all of these bills? I see them as efforts that will do absolutely nothing to bolster public safety and instead go after law-abiding people who are not breaking rules, who are not going to be in violation of existing law or these rules, and does nothing to curb criminal use of firearms. I see these bills as bad faith attempts to criminalize those of us who do not mishandle firearms, do not abuse our privileges, and do not find ourselves having and using bad gun safety standards. What you can do first is like many other counties out there, you can pressure your board of supervisors to vote on provisions to make your county a sanctuary to a county. And while these efforts are more ceremonial in nature, uh, it can make an impact showcasing that people in counties are not going to comply with these laws. And you're going to even see sheriffs issue out statements saying they cannot in good faith and good behavior enforce these laws. You see the sheriff of Lee County saying just like sheriffs who fail to comply with ice and immigration standards, we're not going to comply with gun control measures. So you're going to see sheriffs and counties not comply with any potential gun control proposals. So if your county is mulling these, attend a hearing, voice your concern as calmly and cogently as possible and see to it that it it could possibly be passed. I am not hopeful for the Northern Virginia counties. I do not see this happening in Fairfax. I do not see this happening in Loudoun, Prince William counties, definitely not Alexandria city or Arlington counties at all, but you can at least try and approach your board of supervisors to see maybe they'll hear your concerns, maybe they won't be as antagonistic. Uh, But if you live in a county where you can have this voted on and approved, uh, see to it that you do that. A second thing I recommend you do is attend Lobby Day on January 20th. Lobby Day is hosted by the Virginia Citizens Defense League, which is one of the most ardent, effective grassroots organizations promoting the right to keep and bear arms safely and securely. And they host this event every year uh, when Lobby Day happens and power is vested in numbers. And when there are more people that show up, it can make a greater statement and interfacing with lawmakers can perhaps sway them to reconsider certain bills or at least get them to be open minded. But I think strength in numbers could maybe signal to these lawmakers that, hey, we should reconsider these bills. Maybe we shouldn't be pushing this because If it makes it a penalty for a hunter, a young hunter who may be under the age of 18, but over the age of 14, uh, who may have a loaded chamber, but it's the safety is on and the gun is not being used in a bad way. It's being used safely. 
maybe they're going to be like, okay, let's step back and not pass uh, SB 18 or SB 16, this assault weapons ban. So going to lobby day, you can communicate this to your lawmakers and make a difference and then start there. A third recommendation I have for you all is if you were unhappy with the results that transpired on election earlier this month, you have to get involved in local races. You have to canvas for politicians and candidates who run for office in your locality, in your statewide offices, and even uh, we have an upcoming U.S. Senate race for the potential nominee or for candidates who may be running for that and for the 2021 governors uh, lieutenant governors and attorney generals races that are going to be happening. Virginia has an election every single year, whether it's local, state, or federal, and you have to get involved. Much like we saw in 2015, we strengthened our pro-gun majorities in the House of Delegates and the State Senate. And if you're not happy with the results from these 2019 elections, you need to get involved. You need to not be asleep at the wheel. You need to organize and you need to be involved. Get proactive because that's how change can be enacted in the state of Virginia. You need to be empowered as well to be involved and to talk to people who may not agree with you too and get them to hear our concerns and and to even get people in the middle who may not have a position one way or another to see what the implications of these bills can be. And if we have strength in numbers and you have people from all swaths and and different backgrounds, not your conventional gun owners, also saying their concerns and laying their concerns out there in public, I think we can stop this agenda from transpiring. But you need to get involved and you need to be responsible and you need to be action-oriented. You cannot push conspiracy theories. You cannot be uh, using choice words in your language. Please be responsible because they are looking to get gun owners and gun advocates on anything they may say, any missteps that they may do or any uh, bad efforts that they may put out there. So please be careful about how you go about this, but be empowered, know what's being considered, have information, clear and accurate information out there and dispense this to all your friends. We can enact change. And I, like I said, I think not all hope is lost and they're going to be pushing these similar agenda items in other States. If you plan to retreat and find other States, this is coming to Texas. This is coming to North Carolina. This could even come to Idaho and other pro-gun states or states where gun laws are still pretty friendly. If you plan to escape to those states, this is coming to those backyards and to those arenas. Make no mistake about it. So I think it's worthwhile to stand up, get organized, and to fight back efforts here in the state of Virginia. I will certainly be doing it through articles, I'm going to try my best to come down to Richmond for lobby day. If my schedule doesn't have me locked down in commitments here, I'm going to be making more videos. I'm going to be discussing this at length more. And I hope you guys do too. Please be educational. Please be calm. Please be organized. That's how we win. We can win the battle of ideas. If we are forward thinking, if we are on the offensive, if we are calm in our approach And if we get people to listen to us, I think we can get people to listen to us. And the local dailies are writing about people declaring uh, their counties sanctuary counties. People are writing about and reporting about the concerns gun shops have or federal firearms license dealers have and gun shows and all that. You see a huge coalition of hunters, gun dealers, gun show operators, and others coming together to voice their concerns about this. So please... 
heed suggestions about approaching this calmly, get involved, know the facts and get prepared. You can monitor what your lawmaker is doing. Keep a tabulation of what they're voting on. That also helps when someone is running for office. If someone wants to air grievances and have proof of any missteps that the lawmaker has, let's say someone was elected and they claimed that they were not going to, they were going to support common sense gun control. And yet you present to them that they voted in favor of very extreme gun measures, have that out there to present, especially if you're going to lobby day or especially if you're going to a town hall meeting, go to town hall meetings, be calm, voice your concerns too. There are many ways to get involved when the new session begins. And these are just some of the things I laid out uh, for you to do, but you know, what is now contained in these gun control bills, You have some ways to fight back these efforts. You can go to lobby day. You can get involved. You can run for office. You can encourage people to run for office. You can go to town hall meetings. You can meet with your lawmakers. You can write about this, write letters to the editors, talk to your news outlets, talk to reporters who may be open-minded to this. Don't sit back and wait for gun control to be passed. You can fight back. And I hope you will join me in doing so.